apologize this stuff is still hanging on but I feel 100% better I did go to the doctor <laughs> and they gave me a bunch of medicine you know the old joke right if you go uh, how long does it take to get over this if you don't go to the doctor 10 to 14 days how long does it take to get over it if you go to the doctor 10 or 14 days <laughs> I believe that's the truth let me give you some announcements first of all Tonight, our regular Sunday night programs resume. We please join us for handbells, choir, mission kids, and Bible study kids. We hope to see you there. Also, save this date. The United Methodist men invite you to mark your calendars for their annual barbecue and yard sale. Now, it's a little ways off, but we'll make sure you got it May the 4th, May the 4th. Tickets will be available ahead of time as well as at the door. Please join us for the annual fundraiser and fun time of fellowship. April 14th, that's next Sunday, Relay for Life, that's our Relay for Life Sunday. You may have already seen there were tables and things uh, with uh, t-shirts and information already. And, but that is our official Sunday for us to kind of kick off our Relay for Life. Now that's not when the walk is, that's just the kickoff for our church. And we hope that you'll uh, to be in support, that you'll have a, a perp, wear something purple or wear one of the t-shirts. And uh, hope you'll support Relay for Life. It's a, it's a big deal. It's important. Also next Sunday, Pastor Brenda will be here uh, to preach both services. I'll be here with her. Um, don't forget that if you are part of the survey, uh, to uh, participants to stop by the office and, and to uh, take the survey. Also, the don't forget, let's see, is that in the, the handbells will need to be set up in the sanctuary for our rehearsal on Wednesday, April 10th. And Jessica's looking for some strong and willing individuals to help move the handbells and the tables. If you're willing to do that, please meet at the church at 5.30 on that day to help with the process. Have any questions, contact Jessica. And last but not least, confirmation class resumes today at 4.30, and it's really important. We need to have a meeting before you go off on your retreat, which is the following weekend. Um, Leanna, do you want to make an announcement again? Okay, come on up here and do that. And I believe that was all the announcements that I have except for Leanna's. So once Leanna makes hers, we'll begin our worship together. Good morning. morning. I'd just like to remind everyone about my fundraiser. It's April 20th. Um, next week will be the last week I'll have tickets here at the church. I won't be here. I'll be on the confirmation retreat. But someone will be here selling tickets. 
before and after this service. So hopefully it'll be good. Thank you. Let us pray together. Eternal God, you raised from the dead our Lord Jesus, and by your Holy Spirit brought to life your church. Breathe upon us again with your Spirit, and give new life to your people, through the same Jesus Christ our Redeemer. Amen.
us affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated and let our children come forward for our children's time. Good morning. How are you guys? Good, good. Did everybody have a great Easter? Good. Well, Easter is actually not over. This is the second Sunday of Easter. And in the Methodist church and in many churches, we discuss the appearances that Christ made after he was crucified on the cross and he was dead and then he rose. And so we're, we're going to continue to celebrate that. And... One thing that always reminds us of Christ when you look around, or what, what's a certain symbol that would remind you of Christ? Yes. The cross. The cross, okay. I have, I'm wearing one around my neck. What kind of cross did we have um, sitting out in the church last Sunday? We had a cross and we put some beautiful what on those? We put beautiful flowers on the cross because... Um, in spring, spring is a, a sign of new life, and that's what Christ represents to us also. Um, have any of you heard about the, the Bible series, or did any of you watch that that was on TV? Well, my husband and I watched it, and um, it was on a little later at night, and um, it was a beautiful um, illustration of the stories from the Bible and the crucifixion. And I'm an art teacher, so I'm a very visual person. Um, and some of the disciples were also. Um, when Jesus made some of his appearances, um, there were several disciples, such as a disciple, his name was Thomas, who wanted to see Jesus to believe it. And Christ came to him, and um, he saw him, and he did believe. But we don't see Jesus every day. We might see him in things every day, but we don't see him physically, but we still believe we have that faith, right? 
Um, and the cross reminds us of that. Now, we see a lot of beautiful crosses now um, around beautiful crosses. We have the, the beautiful gold cross up on the altar. A lot of women wear with jewelry. I even saw these beautiful elaborate cross earrings the other day. Um, but the cross that Jesus died on, was it, was it beautiful? Now, sometimes they refer to it as the old rugged cross. Um, so, but what Jesus did for us is a very beautiful thing, right? So that's why we use the cross as a reminder, because he, he gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. So what I have for us here, because we use the cross as a reminder, these are little wooden pocket crosses, and you can carry these around in your pocket um, or you know, put them in a special place in your room or at your home. Just, just remind you each day of what, what Jesus did. And they're not elaborate. They're not gold, and they don't have diamonds on them or beautiful flowers. It's just a simple cross to remind us what Jesus did for us. So um, let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for, for sending Jesus to die for us. We praise you and thank you for the beautiful sacrifice he made for us. And help us to remember to continue to celebrate the true meaning of Easter and what you did for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Greetings and doxology. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, Almighty. 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Mr. Even, they were great, weren't they? Wonderful. Thank you, ladies. Let us bow our heads for our prayer. And... Oh, Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Oh, Lord, in this sanctuary, we praise you. You who are the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, we lift up our thanksgiving and shout glory to your name. And we're reminded this day that you have filled us with joy by the miraculous resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
And yet we must confess, O God, that our faith is sometimes weak. We doubt Your power. In Your Word which endures is every proof we need, but we look to evidence in other places. We look for signs instead of listening to You. We know Your law, but we look to other authorities. Where we have been faithless, forgive us, O Lord. Where we have not trusted, forgive us, good Lord. Whether we have failed to listen, forgive us, O Lord. Even though our eyes have not seen the resurrection, your Holy Spirit is our witness. Make that Spirit present to us. Strengthen us for the resistance that we encounter as we tell your story. Make us faithful to the task of sharing the good news. We pray this day, O oh Lord, for those that we've named in our prayer list. And we pray for any that we name in our hearts now. We pray, O oh Lord, that your wounded hands may reach out to those who are wounded in body, mind, or spirit. May you be present to all, no matter what they face. May the peace that you gave your disciples be peace given to the troubled. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd come and, and stand among us and grant what we ask. For we pray in the name of him who loves us and freed us from our sins. Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We United Methodists believe that giving is an act of worship. So let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Give attention to the reading of God's holy word. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we're thankful for your Holy Spirit that teaches us and guides us, enables us to feel and to see and understand your presence in our life. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for that presence today as we seek to understand and to worship you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we begin by looking back to Easter. We, we begin by looking at the day that changed the world. We begin by looking at some of the charter members of Christ's church. The scripture says on Easter evening, they still huddled in fear. Even though they had heard about the empty tomb. There they were, all but Thomas, behind locked doors, in fear of the authorities, and maybe even their Lord. After all, if Jesus is alive, as the women had told them, they had a lot to explain to him, didn't they? Having abandoned him in his hour of need. So I can understand their fear. And then right in the middle of their fear comes the Lord. Jesus comes walking through the closed doors. 
And isn't that the way it is? Right through the locked doors of our minds and our spirits, Jesus comes to us and comes to them. You see, Jesus knows our fears. Jesus knew their fears. And Jesus comes speaking to them and to us a word of peace. But then Jesus does something very important. He shows them His hands and His side. Jesus says, look at the hands that broke bread with you and blessed it. Look at the hands that pressed mud against a blind man's eyes. Hands that reached out to a leper and touched without pausing or holding back. Hands that had danced through the air as Jesus had taught them. Yes, they were wounded now, but it was important for them to look because after all, they hadn't looked before. All but John had fled, hiding themselves away where they could not see the bleeding nor hear the pain. And Jesus says, look, not at my face or into my eyes, but look at my hands and my side. This is the only proof that I have that I am who I say that I am. You know, I think some of us might have wished that he would have come back all cleaned up, you know, uh, without any visible signs of any harm, but he did not. Instead, he came back in a way that we could recognize him. And they did recognize him. And then you know what happened is their fear changed into joy. They were joyful. They were joyful not at his pain, but they were joyful at his resurrected life. They were not joyful at their previous lack of faith. They were joyful now at this new opportunity they had to live resurrected lives along with Jesus. You see, Jesus was not sending them to those authorities. Jesus was not sending them to God the Father. Even though Jesus had a right to do that, Jesus wasn't sending them back even to their old lives because of their failure. No, Jesus was sending them as His representatives. Just like the Father had sent Him, He was sending them with authority to preach and to teach and to do miraculous signs in the world. They were commissioned with a taste of that Holy Spirit power that they would receive in full on the day of Pentecost. Power to carry the peace of God to the world and to proclaim the forgiveness of sins, the Scripture says. That's important Scripture given the church the privilege of announcing heaven's terms on how a person can receive forgiveness. Now it's important, I think, anytime we look at Scripture to, to note a few things about Scripture that maybe doesn't come, come out right away, but only comes with study. For example, it's important to remember that the Apostle John, who was writing this account, was writing near the end of the first century. He was addressing people just like you and me. People who had never seen or even heard of Jesus. Oh yes, there were some eyewitness accounts still around of people around, just like John himself. John lived to be the oldest surviving disciple. John lived a lot longer than most men his age. In fact, if you had been six years old on Easter morning, You'd been close to 70 by the time John wrote this gospel. 
And in those days, people didn't live as long as they did now. So John had a problem. It's the same problem that we've always had in the church. How to encourage people in the faith when Jesus is no longer around to be seen or touched. And the story of Thomas was a way to do that. By detailing this reluctant disciple's doubt, John took the words right out of some of our mouths and put them into Thomas's instead. Thomas was not present that first evening that Jesus appeared. Now there's a lesson right there, and maybe a warning too, that I just want to touch on briefly, and that is that maybe we should be careful when we forsake the assembly of worship. I wonder how many disciples miss, miss much by sporadic, irregular appearances in the Lord's house for worship. You know, we must remember that where two or three are gathered together, in my name, Jesus said, I'm in the midst of them. I wonder how many times had we been present, we too would have enjoyed and experienced the presence of the Lord Jesus. You see, those who were present both that night and the next night when Thomas was there saw the risen Lord. That first night, they were so convinced that they told everyone, including Thomas. They said, Jesus is back. He's wounded, but nevertheless back. And not only that, He has forgiven us. He who had every right to hunt them down and punish them for deserting Him had not said, shame on you, but said, shalom to you, peace. He had healed them with His words. He had given them back their lives. And He had made them partners in the revival of the world. We have seen the Lord. And by all rights, Thomas's response should have been, well, that's good enough for me. What's the Lord want us to do now? Where are we heading? I'm ready. But that's not what Thomas said. Thomas said, unless I see for myself, I will not believe. Now before we, we sh say shame on you, Thomas, I think we should admit that this is really an understandable attitude. It's an understandable attitude then. Why else would John have told those early Christians that story? It's also an understandable attitude now. And if you think for a moment, Jesus understood it very well because why else would He have been so generous to Thomas? He could have dismissed Thomas. But on the contrary, He came back again, repeating the whole scene just so Thomas could be included. Now I know that each one of you and all through the generations would have probably loved it if Jesus had made an appearance in every generation. That would be great. There couldn't, couldn't anything could make our job easier than if Jesus would just pop in one Sunday. Walk down the aisles, say, smile and shake hands with people and then leave and maybe we'll see Him again in another generation. But that's not the way it is. Jesus said, I'll come back, but I'll come back at a specific time for a specific reason. And so really and truly all of us who were not there at those two appearances, we might seem a little bit put out. We might seem like we're outside the circle. We might seem like Jesus hasn't included us. 
But if you were listening carefully to the Scripture, you will see that when Jesus and Thomas embraced, Jesus then, you know when you embrace somebody, where's your, where's your face? It's beside the other person's face, right? Where are you looking? You're looking behind them. And, what you, and when Jesus embraced Thomas, and Jesus was looking down through the generations, down through the generations, even unto this day, and He said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Us, us in every generation who've never seen Jesus in the flesh, all we will ever have is the testimony of others long dead themselves in this wonderful, beautiful prayer, prophecy, however you want to look at it, that Jesus says, this wonderful blessing, blessing are you all through the generations who've come to believe even though they can't prove it by their eyes. The Apostle John, of course, was a witness. And in one of his letters to the church, he said these words, and they're beautiful words. He says, from the beginning, what we have heard what we saw with our own eyes, what we looked at and our hands touched, this life appeared and we saw it and we testified to it and we proclaim it to you. This eternal life which is with the Father and has appeared to us, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. The Apostle John wrote that to the church. And it's still applicable today, this wonderful eyewitness account. You see, those who knew Jesus in the flesh knew that they were privileged. They knew something extraordinary had happened during their lifetimes. And they knew that they had to keep it alive. They had to make sure that their grandchildren and their grandchildren's children could participate in what they had witnessed and so they collected all the stories that they could remember and they began to write them down. And aren't we lucky and blessed to have these stories? Even stories that seem a little puzzling. To me, that's proof. That's proof. If you were trying to make up a religion, you wouldn't put in it that one of your members, one of your disciples was a doubter, would you? You see. And yet, we know that people have looked at Scripture. Scripture, which in my mind is almost like, you know, a, a, like a letter rolled up in a bottle that you find on a seashore. You know, you discover something new every time that you open it and look at it and reflect on it. And in the reading of it, you're free to, to believe it or not. But this morning's story tells us that seeing is not necessarily superior to hearing. One can trust either sense, of course, and one can come to believe either way. But only a few precious souls saw Jesus in the flesh. But millions through the generations have discovered Him in the hearing. In the hearing. And even today, Jesus is still alive in them who have heard. And so Jesus still says 
to those who might be skeptical that are part of the fellowship. He says, put your finger here in my side. See my hands, the scars. And you see, you can still feel and experience and imagine yourself in that scene because the Holy Spirit brings life to that story. You see, believing is all that the Holy Spirit needs to bring us life. Friends, understand this. This story is alive with us or without us. And yet I believe that God wants us to be part of it. To share when we hear about Jesus' Last Supper on Thursday. To share in that. To think about that. What that must have been like. To cry with Mother Mary on Good Friday. To think about that. To have stood there like John and watched that. And certainly He wants us to laugh with joy on Easter Sunday, even if it takes us all day to agree and to understand and to believe what the women have told us. That He is alive. And in every day, in every day, from that day to now, the Lord wants us to be part of His risen life. To be part of it. To experience it. To join Him in it. And for us to proclaim with our own lives all that was meant, all that was wrapped up in that simple reply that Thomas gave the Lord when he come to realize by looking at his hands and his side that this is my Lord and this is my God. Help the world to stop doubting and believe. And remember that you're blessed. You've been blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he says, Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have come to believe. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day.